Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that? in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are going to be handing out our NFL midseason awards, starting, of course, with MVP. Who would you give that honor to right now, Logan? Carson, I would give the MVP award to Lamar Jackson. And you know, I said last week when we were talking about the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. I said one guy was disrespected, I felt, more than the others. I thought that Joe Burrow was in a tier you know, of his own in terms of we could get caught up of the Patrick Mahomes talk, the Josh Allen talk. We fawn over these guys and their abilities, and Joe Burrow seems to get lost in the mix. But I even think that was me overlooking Lamar Jackson when I said that. I think there are four yeah. guys that are concretely above everybody else in the National Football League at the quarterback position. It is Patrick Mahomes, it is Joe Burrow, it is Josh Allen, and it is Lamar Jackson. And then it's everybody else. And this is in no way meant to disrespect Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, uh, any other guys that are phenomenal. But that is the top tier to me. Wow, subtly disrespecting Justin Herbert by not even mentioning him. Uh, shout out Justin Herbert. I do think Herbert's in that tier <laughs> two when it comes to top-notch QBs. Thank you, though. No, I do think he's a part of that next group, and he's probably the fifth guy. But I think those guys are in the elevator tier of top-notch consistent offenses. And if you take those guys out of their offensive systems – they completely fall apart. We saw what Burrow in this Bengals offense looked like when he wasn't at 100% strength. They crumbled completely. They fell apart offensively, so did their entire team. If the Bills didn't have Josh Allen, frankly, they might be winless. If the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Mahomes, they'd still have a rock-solid defense, but they would be anemic offensively. And the same goes for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I just don't want to take what Lamar is doing for granted and how different it really has been this year. We've talked about it all year long. He's more patient in the pocket. He's got the best receiving weapons of his career. He has completely and totally changed the style of, you know, the way he plays at the quarterback position. And it is, in my opinion, a lot more conducive to playing winning football. It's a recipe that is going to be a lot more successful when it comes playoff time. And, you know, it's like James Harden said. Lamar is the system. You know, James Harden might not be the system anymore, but Lamar damn sure is, and uh, he's done it this year. He's got the second-highest winning percentage among active quarterbacks for his career. Again, I just want to speak to his overall impact up there with him is uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and somehow Carson, above all those guys, uh, is Jimmy Garoppolo. Speaks to Kyle Shanahan. Shout out. Jimmy G! But when Lamar is out there, the Ravens are... The second best, uh, they've got the second best arguably quarterback in the league. You know, I didn't even consider Lamar in those conversations. We were talking about Burrow and Allen last week. Lamar definitely deserves to be up there. And again, we've said this for nine weeks now, Carson. The Ravens could be 9-0. and They could be undefeated. And if they were, I think Lamar would be the runaway candidate. I think there's a handful of guys you could give this to. Hurts, I think Mahomes is still on the table, even though he's had a down year. 
I think Burrow, even though he stumbled out the gate along with Hertz. And then my sleeper pick, a guy that I might have above all those guys next to Lamar, would be Tyreek Hill. I'm going to give him a different award, but I really do think the impact that Tyreek has on the field, I really considered him for MVP as well. Yeah, this is a year where there's an opportunity, theoretically, for a non-quarterback to win because you're having a historic season from Tyreek. Christian McCaffrey was off to a historic start. He slowed down a little bit, but the touchdown production is still out of this world. He's got 13 and 8 games, and you don't have that historic quarterback season that it feels like we've gotten used to in recent years. Mahomes, if it's Lamar's first MVP season where he's rushing for 1,200 yards, throwing for 36 touchdowns to six picks, these sort of mind-blowing campaigns, we don't have one of those right now. But I do think that Lamar has played the quarterback position at the highest level of anybody this season. I will always, by far, take Patrick Mahomes as my QB1. But you're right, dude. We undersold Lamar Jackson in this offseason. He absolutely belonged in this top five. He is a top four quarterback alive right now. And he is so unique in the ways that he stresses and reshapes a defense. Lamar is currently fourth in passing yards per attempt leading the league in completion percentage, while he's also tied for fourth in yards per rushing attempt. That is unfathomable to be among the five most efficient passers and rushers in football in the same year. And that's the Lamar Jackson effect. It's always been there. I do think that this is actually the best he's been. Maybe the raw touchdown production isn't what it was in his MVP season. I believe he is a more complete quarterback, a better pocket passer, and therefore a better player overall. But every year we have seen the Ravens with Lamar have scored over 28 points per game. That's equivalent to a top two scoring offense in football in that time. Without him, they score 17 points per game. They become completely ineffective. He's won 74% of his starts. Yes, that's with very good defense, but Lamar has always had this unique one-man offensive impact. But last year, even having that impact, even totally reshaping what his team could be offensively, he was 25th in pass yards per attempt out of guys with a minimum of 1,000 yards. He was 27th in completion percentage. So he has taken all of that athletic value that he already had and become a legitimately great passer. And that is just leading to an incredible season. He's got the sixth most total yards in football, has the Ravens as the number six scoring offense, the number six third down offense, and he's doing that with offensive supporting talent that isn't nearly on the level of Tua Tungavailoa or of Jalen Hurts, other guys who are in this conversation. Mahomes has a similar situation where he is so singularly carrying his team and at times having to overcome his supporting cast. But I think that our buddy Theo Ash put it perfectly with his hit tweet that was on ESPN, shout out to the boy, where he basically said every single week I watch Lamar play a masterclass and then I look down and he has nine points for my fantasy team. The raw statistical production, even as impressive as his progress as a passer has been when we talk about his efficiency improvement, doesn't fully reflect how much attention he demands at all times and how much value he is bringing to the Ravens. And if he had just finished a few more drives, literally in terms of being the guy to get the touch, like he could easily have 18, 19 touchdowns. He is the one driving them down the field. He is the one converting third downs, putting them in positions to score. So he is playing unbelievable football. And I don't see a guy with an overwhelming statistical case who could surpass that. Tua, you look at, he leads in passing yards, he leads in passing touchdowns, he's second in yards per attempt, he's having a phenomenal statistical season, but against top 20 scoring defenses, Logan, top 20, literally mm -hmm. just not the bottom Talk tier of the him. league, Talk to him, bro. he's 0-3, he's averaging 230 yards per game, he's got three touchdowns to three turnovers, and he's doing that with a historically talented offensive supporting cast and a historically brilliant offensive-minded coach. There's just no argument he's playing football at the level of Lamar Jackson. Mahomes has the most total yards in the NFL right now. He's got 17 total touchdowns to 10 turnovers. We talk about having to overcome supporting cast. He has the most dropped passes in the NFL from his receivers right now. But this just isn't the vintage Mahomes that we're used to. This isn't the Mahomes that we had last season. He's made more mistakes. He's just 14th in yards per attempt. He's led the Chiefs to be just the number 12 scoring offense. Of course, he's playing brilliantly, better than those efficiency numbers would suggest because you have to consider the receiving core he's working with. But Lamar has been the more efficient one-man offense. 
and I'm going to give him the edge. And then Hurts, all four of these guys, it feels like, are very much in this conversation. Like, I think their betting odds are all very similar. Hurts has really come on strong these last couple weeks. He's now fourth in total yards. He's got 22 total touchdowns to 11 turnovers. He's fifth in yards per attempt. But I just think that slow start to the year, there were some really bad moments. He lost them that game against the Jets with too many turnovers. And that was a theme throughout. We talked about him just feeling out of sync with his receivers, a bit disjointed offensively, wasn't efficient, holding on to the ball for too long, making more mistakes than normal. If he keeps playing at this level of the last couple weeks, then he'll start to make a really compelling case. But when you consider how much he is benefited by this great situation and that it was a very underwhelming start to the year, to me, Lamar is just the guy who's been most consistently great. And I want to reward that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm fully with you. And I think... What you mentioned with Mahomes, too, overcoming his circumstances, I think the exact same thing applies to Lamar, too. I mean, you think that the two games that the Ravens have lost have also been because Ravens receivers are dropping passes. I mean, that was, I mean, that was probably, I don't know, 25 to 30 percent of the reason that the Steelers ended up pulling it out against Baltimore. I mean, that's maybe the worst day a, a, receiver, a receiving core has had ever, man. Um, and I do consider Mahomes, but I think that Mahomes has reached in, I think he's reached such a a level that we've come to expect with him that if he's not perfect, even in, you know, bad circumstances, I think Mahomes would have to really outperform his own standard, you know, just from from a fatigue standpoint as well. I think he'd either, either have to have an overwhelming statistical case or the Chiefs would have to be a lot more dominant because of their track record. But right now I think it's Lamar's, man, and I do think – I want to ask you that. Uh, is Tyreek number two for you? Who is number two for you? Because I think he would be for me. Wow, really? No, yeah. I would still have some of these other great quarterback candidates above him. The standard that you talk about holding Mahomes to is absolutely a reality. But I try to keep that out of my decision-making because I want to judge all these guys in a vacuum. I just am anti-voter fatigue generally. I'm anti-somebody being so good that they're held to an entirely different standard. If they're that much better than everybody else, maybe they should just be MVP. But I don't think Mahomes has played at that level this year. I still think he's been so great that he's probably my runner-up just because he's Patrick Mahomes. Not great by Mahomes' standards, but being the best football player that I've ever seen. And then I think Hurts and Tua, then I would probably get to Tyreek maybe in that five spot. You would have Tua over Tyreek? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't give either of them the award, so does it really yeah, matter? They're both fair. in that second tier of candidates for okay. me. But Offensive Player of the Year, I assume you are going with Tyreek. So what's the case there? I am going to go with Tyreek, and I think the... Uh, what Mahomes means to the Chiefs offense, what Lamar means to the Ravens offense, I'm going to do an apples-to-apples apples thing here. I think, you know, Tyreek means to this Dolphins offense. And uh, I can't remember who I was talking with the other day. I think I was chopping it up with my roommates, and we were talking about the greatest receivers ever. And we were building out, like, our all-time teams. Like, if you could have a full depth chart of Hall of Famers, of NFL legends, who would you take, right? So a quarterback, I went... Mahomes, Brady, and Peyton, right? Like, if you could just have the most stacked roster of all time. I got to my wideout section, and I went, uh, I think I went Jerry, I went Randy, I went Calvin Johnson, I went Antonio Brown, and I went Julio Jones. Julio was the last guy that I put on, and the dilemma I was having was debating whether I go with Julio or Tyreek. Like, when we were talking about a wide receiver skill set that breaks the game, uh, Tyreek is up there for the greatest receiving weapon of all time. I mean that wholeheartedly. The way Randy could break the game by just mossing guys, could vertically get up higher than anybody else. I mean, when you were talking about one physical attribute or one aspect of your game that separates you from everybody else at your position ever, I mean, that's a meaningful difference. And Tyreek's speed, I know that everybody talks about that with Tyreek. He's so damn fast. He does break the game, man. And when we were talking about apexes for receivers... I think I'd take Tyreek over a lot of great guys in NFL history. He'd be my he'd be my number one guy in the NFL right now. And again, among legendary receivers, I think I'd take Tyreek over Terrell Owens. Like I know that sounds nuts considering T.O.'s complete track record. Tyreek single-handedly breaks the game. I don't know if I'd take him over Julio yet. Again, I'm talking about absolute apex, best skill set, best day. I don't know if I'd take him over A B because I think A B's complete ability as a receiver. 
but it's really close between those guys. And when I'm throwing your name up there with the greatest receivers in NFL history, you were doing something special. Tyreek right now, 1,076 yards, eight touchdowns. He's on pace to have the first 2,000-yard season ever. And I know that Cooper Cup got close in the 17-game season, and that's important to stress in the historical context with all these great guys. They only had 16. Tyreek's going to have an extra game to do it if he stays healthy, but he is on pace for 2,033 yards and 16 touchdowns. And that's why I would consider Tyreek for MVP too. You know, you talk about there's no overwhelming statistical offensive case for any of these quarterbacks. That's traditionally what gets you the award. Well, Tyreek does have a case. If he cracks 2,000 yards and has the first 2,000-yarder season ever for a wideout, I think he's got a legitimate case for MVP. And I've seen other people consider McCaffrey for Offensive Player of the Year. I think these two guys are unequivocally the two best offensive skill position players in football. But to me, with the historical context of what Tyreek is doing, I think he's a lock for Offensive Player of the Year, and I think he should be in MVP consideration. That's not without even mentioning how he elevates a quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa and how he weaponizes him. But I think with what he's doing statistically, I think he should be in the consideration for MVP. That being said, I'll lock it up. I'm giving him Offensive Player of the Year. I've never seen a receiver demand as much sheer attention as Tyreek Hill. You just think about the chaos that him going into motion throws a defense into, the variety of positions which he can motion from now, and the totality of his dominance as a receiver. He is on pace to break the receiving record last year. He was also on pace to break the receiving record at the midway point last season. I think we can forget how dominant that campaign was. 1,700 plus yards, Tua not being out there for some of the year, Tua himself not being a top-tier quarterback in a vacuum. It's remarkable what he is doing. And this is not just a top 10 receiver peak we have ever seen. This is much closer to a top five, and it really might be in that conversation now. I'm with you on taking him over T.O. I think him and Julio, it's very close, but I probably lean Tyreek. It's just the most game-breaking speed that we have ever seen. He's got the most scrimmage yards in the NFL right now, 1,093. He's averaging the most yards per touch, 15.4. He's got eight receiving touchdowns, the most in the NFL. He is both number two in yards before the catch and by far, number one in yards after the catch. It's unbelievable. Like, nobody gets open far downfield faster, and then nobody is more <laughs> lethal making dudes miss in space and just outrunning everybody. It's ridiculous. He is so dominant attacking the middle of the field, which is so valuable for Tua. But... Also, if you get him in a one-on-one -on -one situation outside and he runs a go, if there's not aggressive safety help, it's just an automatic touchdown. Like, what do you do with this guy? You really can't do much of anything. We've seen some teams find success getting really physical, pressing him off the line, and then if they can get pressure on Tua, then you can disrupt the rhythm of this offense a bit. But it's a really tall task, and it's a high-risk, high-reward strategy because if you don't get home and if you do press Tyreek, He's going to burn you eventually, and that's just the caliber of receiver that we're looking at. This is as good a receiving season as we've seen in the NFL if he keeps this pace up. McCaffrey, what he's doing is incredible. He's got 944 total yards, 13 touchdowns. He's leading the league in rushing yards, and the 13 touchdowns lead the league, and he's done that in only eight games compared to Tyreek's nine. But I just think what Tyreek does, stressing a defense, opening up opportunities for everybody else underneath, demanding that that second DB be attached to him, I think that's more valuable than what really any running back can do. As great as McCaffrey has been at finishing these drives, I think Tyreek is the more valuable offensive weapon and he's been the more productive offensive weapon. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to some other guys here on this list. Uh, I think A.J. Brown deserves an honorable mention. Uh, he's so physically imposing. He's over 1,000 yards in nine games. And I, I want to be clear, too. I think it is a big separator between the top two guys and then everybody else. But uh, I want to give a shout-out to Diggsy, too, for carrying the Bills offense. And then the final guy I think has been really underrated. Uh, Travis Etienne has been phenomenal this year, man. I think he's fifth in yards from scrimmage this year. Uh, he's got seven touchdowns, Carson to no turnovers this year. He's been remarkable at holding on to the football, but 
I've really liked ETN's multifaceted impact. He's a really good receiver. Uh, he's ran the ball really well, and he's a huge component of this Jaguars offense too. So, again, he's not in that top tier of Offensive Player of the Year contenders, and I think that if Justin Jefferson was fully healthy, he'd probably be up here in these conversations. But uh, I, I want to give a big shout-out to those guys too because they have had phenomenal seasons. C.D. Lamb too, breaking out when a lot of people were critical of him. Uh, I think all those guys in a in a regular season would um, – would have a shot at winning this award, but Tyreek and McCaffrey certainly seem like the two breakaway guys right now. I think A.J. Brown is the clear bronze medalist here. The six straight games with 125-plus yards, like, he's made some history this season in his own right. It just gets overshadowed by the fact that Tyreek Hill is one of the all-time great receivers, but... I think AJ definitely deserves a shout out. It's really a two horse race though. And no quarterback is going to be statistically dominant enough to work their way into this conversation. The one negative in Tyreek's case, I will say is that he gave six to the other team last week. I don't True. know where that factors into your calculus. I don't want to overstate the value of any one <laughs> play. That was just an ugly moment. And we're going to have to pick some nits here between him and McCaffrey because they're both playing great. But I do think that Tyreek is the more game breaking weapon right now. Let's look at the other side of the ball, Logan. Defensive player of the year. Who do you like at this point? I like TJ Watt. I've been giving TJ oh, Watt shocker. this award for four oh, years now. Oh, you're sticking with TJ. Okay, I couldn't tell if that yeah. was an I like TJ, but you were actually going to go somewhere else. I would have bet on Logan minus 10,000 to go with TJ Watt here. Oh, dude, those odds aren't even, dude, it's like negative 30,000. I think if we're ever talking this award, <laughs> okay. like, dude, you're not making your money back at all. Yeah, fair. You know, I feel so spoiled and blessed as a sports fan in 2023. Like, you think about the NBA and how much talent there is on full display. All of these freaks of nature, man. You've got 6'9 guys like Scotty Barnes developing their pull-up jump shots and taking over and stepping up. I mean, they're... The NBA has never been more talented. The And I think the NFL has never been more talented. It is disgusting the level of talent that we have in sports nowadays and especially on the defensive side of the ball like we just have so many physical freaks that break the game and I don't think either of these leagues have ever been more talented and what we're seeing on the defensive side of the ball from so many guys uh in the league today it's really remarkable man I have no issue with you if you take Miles Garrett if you take Micah Parsons if you take Max Crosby we're loaded. We are disgustingly loaded uh, in terms of just talent in the major sports leagues right now. I'm going to give it to TJ because I've seen his impact uh, from day one. He's got nine and a half sacks this year, the second most. He's got 18 QB hits, the most in the league. Two forced fumbles, one interception, three fumble recoveries, and a TD. Uh, TJ broke the single-season sack record uh, last year. Uh, the Steelers have led the league in sacks every season of TJ Watt's career, except for last season when the Eagles did it. Nobody's leapfrogging the Eagles. And the Steelers are 1-10 without TJ Watt in his career. That is my favorite stat when it comes to the Steelers and TJ's winning impact. They have mustered one win without that guy in 11 games. You can look at the advanced numbers, and the advanced numbers are going to favor some of these other guys. If you look at uh, how, many, how, you know, how much these guys are double teamed, if you look at pass rush win rate, if you look at all that... I think all those numbers can kind of get convoluted and can take away. It's hard to measure the impact of an edge rusher because they do they open up so much stuff for guys on the other side of the line, right? Like your pressure equals pressure for the other guys on the line. So it's hard to gauge. And again, it's really marginal between all these guys. But I think TJ Watt is, again, I it's crazy that I'm saying this because I just said this about Tyreek and I put him in the pantheon of the greatest receivers ever. TJ's one of the best defensive players I've ever seen, and I think he is the best defensive player in NFL history next to Lawrence Taylor. I would put TJ at number two in NFL history. And I that sounds crazy to say because TJ's still in the prime and the heart of his career. When you're talking about big plays, game-breaking plays, interceptions, fumbles, fumble recoveries, TDs, winning dominant impact, TJ's the most dominant defender that I've seen since LT, and I don't, I think people are tired of TJ. I think that's why they're not voting for him. I think they want to get Miles' award. I think they want to give him his flowers. And again, Miles is definitely here up in this conversation, but I would have given it to TJ all the last three years. I'd give it to him again this year. I don't think anybody in the NFL has as great as impact on the defensive side of the football as TJ Watt does. It's really close. All these guys are really talented. I think him and Miles are 1A and 1B. 
but I'd give it to TJ, man. I think he is the biggest game-breaking weapon uh, outside of Lawrence Taylor in NFL history, man. I, I do. I mean that. I respect you saying you would have given it to him the last three years when he missed almost half the season last year. That's dedication to your dog. I would have given it to him last year, too, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's a little bit of uh, fan bias, perhaps. <laughs> I can't really be upset with you taking TJ. I just think the margins between him and Miles Garrett as pure pass rushers are so, so slim. And I think that Garrett has been slightly better this season. They have the same sack production. Both of them, by the way, one game behind some of these other guys like a Max Crosby who's played nine. Miles and TJ have both only played eight. They're both these game-breaking defensive playmakers. You mentioned TJ stats with the pick and the touchdown. Miles Garrett leading the league with four forced fumbles. Nobody to me quite is at the level of game-breaking in terms of forcing turnovers as a pass rusher that Garrett and TJ are at. But I think that if you do look at some of those numbers that you mentioned, Miles Garrett, ESPN has him with a 32% pass rush win rate. That is the second best in football. And there's a gap between him and a lot of the other competition. TJ sitting at 21%. Only Garrett and Micah Parsons are at 28% or higher. While he's facing a 31% double team rate, which is the highest in the NFL, TJ is at 15%. So I understand what you're saying. All of these guys are demanding tons of attention. All of them are opening up opportunities for their teammates you can't precisely statistically quantify the value of a pass rusher like this but I think that the pretty overwhelming edge for Miles in those categories when you think about how similar some of the sack and the turnover production is between the two of them the fact that he has been the standout on the better defense this year a top three scoring defense I would lean him you can make a TJ case. You can make a Max Crosby case. He is tied for the most tackles for loss. He's tied for second in sacks. He's tied for second in pressures. He has the most tackles by a defensive lineman. Like, Max Crosby is balling. I do think it's worth noting, though, in his case, he plays 98% of the defensive snaps for the Raiders, whereas all the other guys are hovering around 80%. And that's sort of a complicated thing to factor in because... You have to give him huge props for carrying this mediocre defense, being out there every down and giving it his all. But if you look at their production now on a play-to-play -play basis, that gives him a bit of inflation compared to some of the other guys who are doing this on more elite defenses to begin with. And he's got the extra gameplay to inflate some of his numbers. So I, I think he is right below Garrett and TJ in terms of talent. Bosa, the reigning deep boy, has to be in these conversations. Aiden Hutchinson has the most pressures in the NFL this year. Like, there are so many edges who is balling out. You mentioned Micah. Of course, he's in these conversations. That's really the only position group that I'm even looking at this year. I feel like there are so many guys making outstanding cases, and that is the most important defensive position. It's a very tight race, but I will take Miles Garrett for now. I think he's having an amazing season, and he does deserve one of these eventually, but I think in a vacuum, he's made the best case this year. For sure, uh, and I do want to give a shout-out to some of the other players on the league's best defense, uh, the Ravens. I think, you know, nobody, I think, from this team is going to win it again. I think yeah. it sucks, man, that we don't expand on these awards. The MVP award is always going to be a QB award, yeah. you know, Defensive Player of the Year, for the most part, unless a corner – balls like Gilmore and has you know nine to ten picks it's right. probably going to be an edge rusher award but I want to give a shout out to Roquan Smith uh to Kyle Hamilton and to Geno Stone bro Geno Stone has six picks through nine games yeah I, I, that's ridiculous man that is ridiculous uh the Ravens defense is great as a conglomerate but all three of those individual guys have been balling this year Roquan and Hamilton so damn consistent, rock solid as guys. And then Stone, a big-time playmaker, man. I, I could not believe that. That's ridiculous. If he gets up into double digits, I mean, yeah, it's one of the you know greatest safety seasons in terms of big play impact. So I think we got to start considering him. But I want to give a shout-out to the Ravens guys because I think that they're great as a group and they're great as individuals, but they've kind of gotten uh, lost in the shuffle with all these great pass rushers. It would be fun if they introduced awards by position group. But now as I'm saying that, that's really just the purpose of all pro. That's all pro. to acknowledge <laughs> the best dude at every position. But it's a little bit cooler. Like college sports, they do that. You get the best award for every position group. 
An offensive lineman's never going to win Offensive Player of the Year, no matter how well he blocks. But shout out to the Ravens. I agree. In totality, what a defense that has been. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources offensive rookie of the year logan who you got surprise surprise yeah. i've got cj stroud and mm-hmm. i gave some of these numbers on last episode i will regurgitate some of them uh stroud 2270 yards the seventh most passing yards to a qb's first eight games 14 tds to one pick tied ninth most passing tds to a qb's first eight games the best interception percentage in NFL history right now, he's got a 62% completion percentage, 34th best through a QB's first eight games, and a passer rating of 102.9, the fourth best through a QB's first eight games. And I mentioned a lot of these names last time, too. It's one of the greatest starts to a QB's career in NFL history. Up there with Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, Justin Herbert, Dan Marino, Dak Prescott, RG3, Russell Wilson. Name a QB who had a red-hot start to his career and CJ's up there with them. It's just remarkable what he can do on the field. As a rookie, man, the level of, I don't know, control, man, and how comfortable he is in the pocket. It's just really rare that you see that. And, you know, I think that Bryce Young has gotten a really bad rap. I think Carolina is one of the worst situations that a rookie QB could have gone into. But I think that's kind of what's gotten lost with CJ is how bad the situation was. You know, it was a complete overhaul of a culture a new coach, a new system, a completely new identity. And C.J. Stroud has not only stepped up as a leader on the field, but as a leader off of it and is doing this in rough circumstances. As I mentioned, the overhaul of this team, no real identity to lean on, but they're the number 30 rushing attack by yards per attempt. That's the most remarkable thing about C.J. Almost every quarterback that you can point to that succeeded as a rookie, you know, save Cam Newton, save RG3, save Justin Herbert. Oh, no, even Herbert had a little bit of a running game. Almost all of them have had an elite running game to lean on, and that is a big part of why they've been successful. CJ really hasn't. He has not been a part of the table. He's been the table, man. He's been the thing keeping everybody balanced. It's one of the greatest rookie campaigns that I can remember in my football-watching career and throughout NFL history. CJ's a franchise QB, and this is as easy of an award to give out on this ballot as any other one. I think this is an absolute lock. As a pure passer, I think we are looking at a top two rookie quarterback season ever. And what's interesting is two of the best candidates for that would be Dan Marino, who only started nine games, Deshaun Watson, the start that he got out to through his first seven games. But given that those guys didn't play a full season, I don't think they can ultimately factor into those conversations. I think it's CJ and I think it's Herbert. And absolutely, when you're talking about the totality of an offensive impact, Cam might be the GOAT. RG3, right up there in that top tier. But when you're looking at pure passing value, this is a guy who, as a rookie, is top five in yards per attempt in the entire NFL, is top five in passing yards per game. He is currently on pace to have a 4,800-yard, 30-touchdown, two-interception season. Is he going to sustain that? 
No, I'm sure that he'll make more mistakes, but the yards and touchdown production, he really, really might. And I still think he's good at limiting his mistakes, but he also is so aggressive pushing the ball downfield. That's what we've talked about. That's how he comes up with that big nuts drive to win last week. The Texans have the most big passing plays, that being 25 plus yards in the NFL. They have 24 of those. They average three a game. And you're right about how we didn't really view his situation all that differently from Bryce Young's coming into the season. It felt like there were marginal differences in terms of roster talent. Seeing it all play out, I do think the Texans legitimately have a real receiving core advantage. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, these guys may not have been big names, and CJ is elevating them, but they are legitimately very talented, very athletic receivers. But he is so impressive in his raw arm talent, in his composure, in his accuracy, his overall athleticism, the ability to extend some plays, make some plays with his legs. I just don't know what more you could ask of from the guy. I think he's on the outskirts of the MVP conversation. If the Texans had been a more successful team, I mean, dude, the production is there. The talent is there. It's just he's not on one of the legitimately best teams in football right now. It's the same reason you can't have a Josh Allen in those conversations. Josh has made his mistakes and whatnot. But if you're hovering around 500, you're never going to make a super compelling MVP case. And I don't know how high he can take this Texans team. I don't know that they're going to ever win 11 games, well, this year with the roster talent that they have. But I do think they're going to remain very competitive. And a huge portion of that is owed to CJ, which is rare. And no skill position player is going to be able to compete with production at that level. Shout out to Puka for an awesome rookie season, but CJ is just separated from the pack. Yeah, dude, and when you're talking about winning impact, you talk about Herbert. I think it's Herbert. I think it's Luck. I think it's CJ Stroud in terms of just arm talent and especially leading to winning games. Yeah. Luck was great, of course. You saw the talent. He carried that offense. But I still think he was more inefficient. He made more mistakes. I think C.J. Stroud's having a better season. Yeah, no, I, I probably agree with you, but it, it is crazy, though, how like how big of a turnaround it is for both of these guys. Luck taking a two-win team from the year previous, getting them to 11 wins and to the playoffs. C.J. Stroud taking a team that, again, in complete disarray and to have an even record. Like, dude, I expected the Texans to win four games to five games all year long for them to already have four at the midway point is truly remarkable. Yeah. We're not underselling shroud at all, man. And I'm, I I'm in disbelief, dude. I it's, he's one of the best rookie QBs ever. I'm, I'm really disappointed that I don't know that I wasn't more on him. I shroud was my favorite QB in the draft class for sure, but I didn't even see this as, you know, this is best case scenario and shroud has exceeded all of my expectations. I do want to give a shout out to Bijan. Puka may have him in terms of the production edge, but when we're talking about where you rank among the guys at your position group, is there really an argument that Bijan isn't a top five running back in the NFL today? Like, I understand that he shares a lot of those touches with Algier, but his efficiency as a runner, just his dominance as a one cut back, his agility at that size his receiving ability. I mean, what a special all-around offensive player. Hey, can I ask you a hypothetical, Carson? Okay. If you were, like, head coach of the Falcons, you'd, like, scheme up plays for him, right? Uh, No, I don't think I would. I think I would probably want to mostly run through Scotty Miller, Mac Hollins. Those would probably be my focal points offensively. Yeah. You know what? That's actually a good point. Never mind. Forget I said anything. Bijan's Bijan's mid, and Tyler yeah. Algier's better, dude. I that's got to be one of the most frustrating things in football right now is watching the Falcons not put Bijan to use. Man, I would be making him my workhorse game in, game out. Man, he's way too talented to not touch the ball, uh, to touch the ball as little as he does. Man, pretty funny. Algier 116 carries, 3.2 yards per attempt. Bijan 103 carries, five yards per attempt interesting stuff let's look at the other side of the ball defensive rookie of the year who you got logan it's got to be my man devin witherspoon uh oh does it i i think you could give it i've heard a lot of chatter for jalen carter um carter's nasty man yeah it's disgusting i think he's got a much better collective uh alongside him that being said you know i do think devin witherspoon's got some great guys to lean on Tariq woolen i think the seahawks have an elite secondary too so I think both are a part of really good groups, but Witherspoon is as far along as a rookie 
defensive back as I've seen. And it's not just in terms of coverage, man. Like, this kid is the total package. Yes, he is great in coverage. And you think about what we saw on that Monday night football game where he breaks out, uh, blitzing off the edge, getting a sack on Daniel Jones, the pick six that he single-handedly swings the game. But my favorite thing about Devin Witherspoon is his aggressiveness and physicality as a tackler, man. When he is going to make a tackle, like, he explodes uh, from where he's at to go and tackle a guy. Like, he, he's he got a real mean streak about him as a corner that you, one, don't really see out of rookies, but two, don't really see out of defensive backs. Like, he's a legitimately good and impactful tackler. He's one of the best rookie corners that I've seen. He's just, he, te- he checks all my boxes, man. He's right in coverage, he's physical, he's fast, he's a big-time playmaker in terms of what you can do with him blitzing off the edge and making big-time plays through the air uh, with turnovers. But he's a great tackler, too. Devin Witherspoon is the total package as a corner, and I do think it's a two-horse race right now. There's been some other chatter guys, the middle linebacker for the Rams, I've heard. But I picked Witherspoon in the preseason. He missed uh, the first two games, I believe. He's been on fire since then, man, and... I can think of very few, you know, cornerback seasons that were better uh, from a rookie. You know, Sauce came out here and balled. Pat Sertan came out here and balled. I put Witherspoon right up there with him. Maybe not on a Sauce level because I think Sauce is uh, one of the best corners in the game. Witherspoon is slowly climbing there, man, and he's a part of, uh, you know, the number eight passing defense by yards per attempt. So not only is I think he's made an individual impact, I think his individual impact has led to team success on that part of the ball and one of the best secondaries in the league. Witherspoon's awesome, man. He's one of my favorite players in the league. He is having a fantastic season, and you mentioned the totality of his impact, using him as a guy who might blitz in certain situations, and he's gotten home twice like that this year. His impact is a tackler, but the coverage stats also very impressive. 79 passer rating when targeted this year, 55% completion rate. He's an all-around stud. I do think on a play-to-play basis, Jalen Carter has been a bit more dominant, a bit more game-breaking from the jump. And yes, he is playing on the most loaded defensive front in the NFL, but he is already leading all defensive tackles in pass rush win rate at 22%. He's eighth of all DTs in terms of pressures, and he's certainly leading rookies there. He's tied for eighth among all DTs in sacks. And that raw production number is only tied for eighth as opposed to being even higher up because he's playing half the snaps because of how deep and stacked that defensive front rotation is for the Eagles. So I think he is already a flat out elite contributor at his position. I think he is one of the most physically overwhelming forces in the NFL today. And I think that you could make a case for either one of these guys, but I think that Carter ranks a little bit higher among dudes in his position group right now than Witherspoon. Yeah, I understand that. And I mean, again, in terms of rookie defensive players, these two guys are making massive winning impacts. Now, there is one more guy I want to give a shout out to, uh, Pittsburgh's very own PZ Jr. Yeah. Um, PZ took, and I don't know why it took this long, because Levi Wallace, former Buffalo Bills, shout out. Yeah, uh, was shout getting out. Cooked uh, through the first couple weeks. Patrick Peterson was getting cooked through the first couple weeks. It took eight games for the Steelers to go, hey, Maybe we should start that rookie that we drafted in the second round. Uh, Peasy, I believe, is allowing a passer rating of like 55. Uh, he hasn't allowed a touchdown, uh, according to PFF this season. The only thing that uh, I could knock on Peasy is that you know he's got a little too many penalties, but he's been clamps in coverage. Uh, if he can cut down on the penalties, I think he does have an an outside-looking-in chance at this award. I probably wouldn't pick him over Witherspoon or Carter mm-hmm. for the totality just because it took him so long to get on the field. But if he shut down the rest of the way, I-, I could give him an outside chance at this award. But he's been awesome as a rookie, too. Shout-out, Peasy. He a dog. I do think Witherspoon is making the better corner case right now, but, I mean, what a good corner class, dude. Brian Branch is playing really well. Christian Gonzalez... I mean, the way he was playing before injury could have been the front runner for this award. He was a clamp off rip. Really, really, really loaded class at that position. All right, let's move on from the players, Logan. Who do you have as your coach of the year right now? I think we picked this guy in preseason too. Uh, I've got Dan Campbell as my coach of the year. And, you know, I've heard some people straying away from this pick because it's like consensus. It's becoming popular. But again, 
the Lions are probably going to win this division. Yeah. I didn't expect that. I know you picked that, Carson. I expected the Packers to. It's just, it's hard, man. You know, we've seen the Packers dominate this division for 20-some years now, and the Lions have been one of the best teams in football for the past, you know, if we take a full season from this point, the Lions have been one mm-hmm. of the best teams in football from this, you know, full season, from week last eight last 17 year. games, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the Lions have been phenomenal, and we talked so much, Carson, about how hard it is to change a team's culture, and you're seeing it slowly with some other franchises. The Houston Texans with D'Amico Ryans, the New York Jets with Robert Sala, mm-hmm. and the, the blueprint is the Detroit Lions with Dan Campbell, a former NFL coach. He's going to take no prisoners. He's going to get guys to rally behind him and fight. And it's just a really good system. They've got a great offensive coordinator. They've got a great defensive and team culture. And it's really hard to do. The Detroit Lions have been the laughing stock of the NFL for 80 years. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to wipe away that history? It's really hard. Dan Campbell has somehow done that and made the Lions not only into a contender, but a team that is supposed to be feared week in, week out. Uh that's the most hard. That's the most difficult thing to do in all the football, in my opinion. There are some guys that I think are sleepers, Carson. Uh, if Robert Sala can somehow sneak the Jets into the playoffs, I think he has a real outside chance at this award. And I also mm-hmm. think, call me crazy, man, if the Vikings can come how can somehow get some Ooh. rocket fuel into them, and Josh Dobbs can make a playoff push, I would give Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings an outside chance at this award. But right now, I think it's got to be Dan Campbell, man. I'm ready to go bite some kneecaps. Yeah, well, that's a bit triggering to me because, as you know, Logan, I've dislocated my patellas three Mm, times, mm, and mm. I stand in solidarity with my other brothers who have Elgin Baylor. A lot of people don't know dislocated his kneecap. Patrick Mahomes, we remember a couple years, really brought some awareness to the community. So we're going to have a conversation about that comment after the show. But Dan Campbell does make a really good case, man. He has built a tremendous culture there. But in terms of schematics... Ben Johnson is the one calling the plays. Dan Campbell's not a defensive mind. I think Mike McDaniel is the preeminent genius in the NFL today. I think the vision of this roster construction is brilliant. The prioritization of speed above all else. And then the ability to weaponize that. We've talked about the play calling. I've never seen anybody so consistently utilize motion so effectively. Pre-snap deception. So much eye candy. He's just a true offensive genius, and I think he's also an awesome culture guy, and I think he's a really good communicator and players coach and somebody who everybody buys into, everybody likes, and to have this team with comfortably, in terms of statistical production, the best offense in football right now, one of the better offenses that we've seen in terms of regular season production in NFL history, I think he is so directly responsible for elevating everybody with his mind that I give him a bit more credit, even though the culture overhaul is very valuable from Dan Campbell as well. And solid, dude. How can you keep him out of these conversations? I feel so bad for him that he has had to find a way to win a decent amount of football games with Zach Wilson at quarterback over the last couple years. I mean, as a defensive coach, As a culture guy, as a leader, Robert Sala is absolutely one of the best in football, and I just really, really hope that Aaron Rodgers gets back to being his normal self, if it's not this year, the next year, and we can finally see some of those offensive pieces come together for Sala. That's the short list. I lean McDaniel. Last award, Logan, is Comeback Player of the Year, which feels like sort of a foregone conclusion, but who do you have here? Yeah, I'd give it to DeMar Hamlin. I mean, the fact that he's back out on the field. Uh, yeah. I've heard, I don't know who was trending. I've heard that if Aaron Rodgers comes back, you know, maybe he could have a, a look at this if he comes yeah. back from his Achilles injury or something like that. Uh, the fact that DeMar is still suiting up for football games, in my opinion, though, means a lot. And I hope that I hope that we can see him on the field and actually suit up for the Bills again, you know, and not just dress and, and be on the field. Uh I'm glad to see DeMar back out well, there. Well, yeah. he is playing on special teams. He is on special teams? Okay, yeah. I thought he had been inactive. No, 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 he's playing. Well, he's been mostly inactive. I think he's played in a game or two. I mean, the fact that he's just back out there, I mean, means the world. I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I would give this to DeMar right now. I, I don't know if there's a whole lot that can change. I'm trying to think about other guys. I mean, I guess Rodgers would be the only outside candidate that if he came back from his Achilles injury... Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd give this to DeMar, though. Yeah, I'm actually going to give it to Chad Pennington for the third time. 
Booyah. Booyah. Shout out to two-time <laughs> comeback player of the year winner, Chad Pennington. I think it has to be DeMar. Ultimately, this is just a moment that is bigger than football, not to be cliche, but what? I love you, Carson, man. I cannot believe you just dropped the two-time comeback player of the year, Chad Pennington bar, man. That makes me so happy, dude. It's crazy, dude. How do you even do it? How can you have two comebacks of that magnitude? They, dude, they, they wrote him off twice. They wrote him off twice. He did not write back. Yeah, I mean, when you think about what a terrifying moment it was last year, everything around DeMar, like that was one of the worst moments that I have had as a football watcher in my lifetime. And even though he's not playing much, he's been inactive since that Dolphins game, which I was at. It's just bigger than football, man. And this is an award that we have any super specific criteria for. Give it to a guy who has had an incredible journey to get back to being able to play in the NFL whatsoever. Like if you're just looking at the football of it, Tua and Josh Dobbs, those guys are making good cases. But I think that this has been DeMar's award since it became a reality that he could play football this year. And I think that that is the right decision. So with that, Logan, those are our midseason awards. Hope you guys enjoyed, as always. If you did, the good news is there's plenty more nerd such content. You can find all of our shows with video at the Volume YouTube page, and you can listen to our podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us across social media, TikTok and Instagram at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can join our Discord. That is at the link tree across our social media bios. If you want to talk football, basketball with us, be part of our community. And you can check out our merch. I've got the hat on today. We've got the flags behind us. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. So you can find all of that at thevolume.com. And with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.